following program contains explicit language and subject matter and is intended for mature audiences only. Listener discretion is advised. Hello? It has to start sometime. What better place than here? What better time than now? Welcome back to the Zero Fucks Podcast. My name's K-Mac, I'm your host, episode 36, although numbers really don't matter anymore, does it? This one's a little bit long in the tooth because uh, well, there's been some difficulties with the computer and working life and just fucking life and just things getting in the way and so I've made a few promises and not delivered and this is what's annoying me. So now... We're back, and it's. Uh, I gave a hint in the last podcast as to what this would be about, but I really didn't clarify it too much. So this is going to be a range of stories that was prompted from something I watched recently on Amazon Prime, and it's a it is a favourite topic of mine because it's so broad and there's so many things, and we're going to talk about well. Let's see if you can work it out from this. Love, exciting and new, come aboard, we're expecting you. Life's sweetest reward Let it flow It floats back to you Okay, so if you think it's about the love boat, that's incorrect. That's... Uh, <laughs> That just is from an era where television was sweet and charming and you watched celebrities get on the love boat and fall in love with kooky stories. and Yeah, I couldn't help myself and play that. This is the actual track from the show that's prompted this. And this sounds a little bit like a 90s thing, but you'll we understand. Face the music together Throw our hats in the ring Facing all kinds of weather And not afraid of anything
It doesn't sound like something that cheese or something back in that era started like. Okay, that's the start of a show called Modern Love. And uh, it's an original Amazon uh, product, one of the streaming services. Everyone's competing to be the have the best product. And this is basically called Modern Love. And it's derived from stories that were published in The New Yorker. And there's just little uh, short stories that are put together about love in all different aspects. And funny enough, love is actually uh, a huge important part of my life and I think uh, a lot of people's, but it's so all-encompassing and there's so many different varieties. And this is what this episode's about. It's me putting together a few stories... And uh, and sharing sharing the love. I guess it's that time of year too. It's coming in the Christmas. By the time this comes out, it'll be the start of December. And um, so it's the happy season, which we can see that you know, big business loves cashing in. Capitalism loves making money out of things we love. And Christmas is a good time. It's not a good time for everyone. Um, particularly, well, I've lost two people, three people are important to me around that time, but. We're not going to dwell on that. We're going to talk about love. So I guess for me, when we talk about love and what's all important, it's just so many vari- variables. Um, and do you remember your first love when you were a child? When you are a teenager, was that, was that your first love? Or as an adult when you actually felt like it was the real deal? And everyone, you know, would tell you, oh, you're in love, blah, blah, blah. I was fortunate enough to have many different uh, parts of my life, I guess, where I've been in love or thought I was or experienced love. And I guess, um, I suppose if we start with my first, this sounds like a memory trip down memory lane, but it'll this will bring and prompt people. Anyone that's listening will prompt in different ways to bring back the things that were important to you, that made you smile, that made you laugh. And it's quite funny. So I can tell you the first girl that I really liked, I guess. And I'll say a name because obviously she, well, I think she's married now, wouldn't be a name. But her name was Kari Williams. And I think I was in kindergarten or first class. And I liked women from a very young age, obviously. I think we never kissed. As far as I know, we never kissed. We just held hands. And uh, and that was a primary school thing. And that was what you did. And she was a lovely girl and she went on to be a lovely woman too. I don't have anything to do with it now. But there was a part of my life that um, I would reflect back to primary school and see primary school pictures and go, yeah, you know, she was such a lovely girl and, geez, I hope she had a good life, I hope. So that was where, I guess, I first uh, say I fell in love. I don't think I fell in love. I think I fell in in excitement. That's what we call it. But um, but but from that point on, things sort of changed when it came to girls and women. And for me in particular, one woman stood out. Well, she was only a girl herself, as I was only a boy. And this is when I discovered Tina Arena. Now, you might have heard 
on the last podcast, it was that track that I played that was the hint. Tina Arena to me was just, I don't know. I discovered her. She was only, she's a, it's a couple of years, well, she's a bit older than me, but um, she was a, a child that came through a talent show on TV long before there was um, Australian Idol or Pop Stars or, you know, any of these shows. Um, what else do they have? Australia's Got Talent, all of these things. Long before that, they had a, a kid's show where they would have a crew of dancers and singers and and anyone who knows the young talent time in Australia would know what I'm talking about. And it was a bit iconic, I guess, for its time that everyone just um, watched it, sat, sat there on a Saturday night and I think it was Saturday, could have been Sunday night actually, Sunday night. And Johnny Young did a version of a song and all these kids. Anyway, Tina Arena was part of these these young crew. And I guess as a kid I didn't sort of phase me. When she started to turn into a woman and got curves, I think that was when I first discovered masturbation because I was just enthralled by her. I thought she's just got that Italian, I don't know what it was at the time, the Italian look about her that just blew my mind. And, you know, she's always been a, a European beauty, I guess, and, um, and grew up on Australian TV in front of everyone. Like you actually watched her. Uh, and this is long before social media. Like you didn't have access to people. You didn't see things every day. Like you would see the television show and then you would see the glossy, so-called glossy magazines, you know, like the TV Week and shit. And um, so they were performing and dancing. And I thought, I think, I think it was the fact that she can actually, she wasn't just a regular girl. Like I, I went to school with girls and they played sport or I guess they did dancing, but I never... You, <laughs> I never really paid attention because I was too busy doing other things. But this was a girl that, that could sing and, and dance and and she still had this poetic bogan twang, I guess, that the Melbourne girl in her. I mean, she's quite articulate. I don't don't say that she's a bogan in any way. But in that time in the in the 80s and into the 90s that it was just the norm that you had this Australian twang. Some people get embarrassed by it. I don't. I embrace it now and I think this is who we are. This is, this is our language. We've all got different sounds that come around from around the world but I, I actually embrace it. So to make my fantasies, I guess, come true, I was a teenager, early teens. Fuck, this will make me sound like an idiot. Let me put it in context. I think I might have been about 12, 12 or 13. And my mum took me off to see the Reesby Workers to the Reesby Workers Club to see the Young Talent Time. I went to see Tina Arena. My mum knew this, but my mum, I think my mum was more excited to go, and my sister was too young and didn't appreciate it. And so my mum took me off. I might have been younger. I might have been nine or ten, but my mind was blown. There was just something special about her, and the Young Talent Time that that she was a performer and she was on stage and. Yeah, I don't know what it was. So, um, I don't know what it is. Maybe, I don't know, maybe we're just animals, men, and, and, and that's something that we have to have. But, you know, it was, um, it, it, yeah, it, and it's funny now because I look back and I had a previous girlfriend, let's just say cause we'll call it Blondie for the, for the purpose of this, um, and she was an awesome dancer, right, and she could... She could shake her ass, and that was that was fucking hot. And it, and well, it, 
offset her intelligence level, I guess. That's a bit nasty, but it's true. Um, but what it did was it made me want her because she was she was alluring and she was and, and she had a smile from ear to ear. This is what Tina established in me that about these women performers. I also dated a good singer. One of my first girlfriends was a great singer. And she was in the school music school. She got a shit personality. But um and my friends hated her. So unfortunately that just didn't and there's another story down the track about that one. So maybe that's what's in us. You know, there's a like a talent section. Why do we have a talent section in a beauty competition? Why do we – they say, oh, what can you do? Well, you know, I do magic tricks or I can – I don't know. Maybe maybe looks isn't everything that we want. We want more or we want – now for me it's intelligence, it's banter, it's it's conversation. It's that, That's what I, I crave. And I need that pushback to go, well, you're not always right. No, no, no. Let's see your point of view. You know, I need that. But I think back then Tina just swept me off my feet. Didn't even know. Just swept me away. And uh, I guess that's my first celebrity crush. Uh, in fact, my um, my ex-wife only got one ex-wife. My ex-wife has similar features. Uh, so maybe that was that was part of the allure I don't know my ex-wife was was a, a fantastic person when I first met her and and uh, we got on famously so that might have something to do with it as well but anyway so that's I guess um what I think of you know when when you think about love because love has so many different ways but that was my first love or what I thought what love was all about um and when you're a kid what do you know for me, it was that warm, lustful feeling of wanting and, and everything. When I hear Tina's voice, I still get a smile on my face and a warm feeling. Some, some of her songs give me goosebumps when she just, just nails it. And, uh, and I, think she's, I think she's amazing. Still today, I think she's amazing. Um, and, you know, one of the things I, I really, I think I dig particularly about her and what she does uh, is, is her songs that she wrote were about relationships or about love, and I, I don't, I don't want to sound like a, 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 the cranky old man that goes back in my day. But where's these songs about love? And and I know John Legend, John Legend writes some. I'm a big fan of his, by the way. So you know that sort of makes sense to me. But that's what I think Tina did. And over the period of my lifetime, that's that's what I thought. That's that's the you know, the thought process. I've got songs that I listen to when I've gone through breakups and and I'm sure we all do. I think men uh, probably hold back a little bit. They don't talk about it or they, it's not cool to talk about. I don't give a fuck. That's one of the things about me is this is who I am and this is what I do. I know and I, I talk to a lot of women and I understand how they operate and how they view different things. So I'm not offended by or, you know, I don't have to hide anything. This is who I am. But I think that there's, you know, certain parts of our life that are triggered by different songs and particularly things that happen in our life and you hear that song and it takes us straight back there. For me, it was a lot to do with Tina Arena. Um, you know, there, there was uh, different relationships and I think, you know, different times but there's not a bad one I have when it comes to Tina Arena. She was... My first crush, yes. I still think she's a sexy woman. Um, and I, I, I presume she's probably, 
I don't know. She should be a good cook, shouldn't she? Is that fucking sexist? Can I say that? At least I fuck it. I say it anyway. But um, by her rights, with her family bloodline, she should be a good cook. So that's my first love. In this love topic, that's what I'm going to talk about. That was my first Tina Arena. <laughs> Okay, we're going to change up a pace a little bit. Um, but before we do, I just want to finish off with just something on Tina. Um, in the last 50 years, if you could name me oh, more than five female singers and songwriters, other than Olivia Newton-John and, and now Delta Goodrum, that have continually been in the charts, and not just in Australia, across the world, then I'm happy to hear. But I think you'll find that Tina Arena's right up there. Anyway, enough blowing Tina's horn. Um, the next love story I'm going to tell you, and this, this changes the little pace a little bit. This is quite interesting. Uh, and this is very, very close to my heart. Um, and it, funny enough, it started with my mum taking me to watch Star Wars. Now, you would think that Star Wars, yeah, I'm, I'm a dork, I'm a geek, I love Star Wars. It's been my life and it's coming to an end this month actually. The last movie in the, in the series, which is um, another story. But that's not what I'm talking about. When I was young, my mum took me, left my sister at my grandmother's place, I'm a nan and pops as I call them, and took me off to see Star Wars. And I didn't fully appreciate what love meant from others, other than your parents. Your parents love you. They don't show you all the time. I constantly tell my kids I love them and I annoy them, but the fact is that I never want them to think that, it, that they don't. And I don't want them to say, you know, and hear it and think, oh, it's just what he says, full stop. That's true. But this stemmed from I never realised this for years later. Anyway, he's a Star Wars factor. I go to watch the movie, hyped up, young kid, and I think it's the greatest thing I've ever seen. Now, at the time, I was a Kiss fan. I liked Kiss. That was my music jam. And I liked Star Wars. And that was – and I th- still to this day, I, I couldn't see a movie that impact on, impacted me on me more than Star Wars. Anyway, that's not the love. I went back to my grandparents' place and uh, to pick up my sister and see my nana pop. And uh, my mum is um, my grandfather's, I want pop's only child. And um, and then I was the firstborn, so I was a bit spoiled. Again, didn't know till later on. Anyway, I came in, regular story, sat down with my nan. And she said, How was it? And my nan had a, a nickname for me that I can't tell you, but my nan always, always, always referred to me by my Christian name and my middle name together, always. That was my whole life. And she said, and how was it? And I said, oh, yeah, good, good. And she said, well, sit down there, I'll get you a drink. I want you to tell me all about it. And I went through, which was probably, 
I don't know, a movie that went for an hour and a half, 90 minutes. I must have taken three hours to tell her the whole story. And there were bits that I'd left out. And then I'd come back and go, oh, oh, but hang on, hang on. But before that, before that, Luke said blah, blah, blah. Okay. Star Wars is actually not the important factor here. What I realised later on in life was my grandmother, my nan, showed me total unconditional love. She sat there and listened to, what was I, 10, a 10-year-old? Uh, I might have been younger actually. I was probably younger. I was probably about seven, seven or eight. She sat and listened to me just babble on and talk shit about a movie. But what she was viewing was how happy I was. And her unconditional love was something I'd never seen. I'd never... I never, I never knew it. I was always spoiled. I was always told, you know, yeah, how much they love you. But until I got older, I never fully appreciated. Now, here's the funny thing about my nan. Um, when I come home from the hospital, my nan and pop's place was the first place we went. Just so happens, it was literally around the corner from the hospital. And to my grandfather, who was his first grandchild. And he was proud as punch. And to my nan, I was one of the grandchildren. What I didn't know was, until I got to my early teens, that my nan was actually my mum's stepmom. And she had children of her own, who I referred to as uncle and aunties. But I never really understood the concept of that my mum was an only child. I never knew that. And what I didn't know was I was apparently in my grandfather's eye, I was, I was the, the golden child. Now, I didn't know any of this. And my nan fussed over me like I was her own, like, like I was her own child. This love, um, I only hope that people experience it in their life. Like I, I really hope that they understand it because it, it was amazing. And this lady put everything she had on the line for me. Even even this, this is quite funny. In the we used to have a family sweep in the Melbourne Cup, and my um, my nan's name was Dulcie. Anyway, I can't remember which Melbourne Cup it was, but in the draw, I pulled out Dulcify, which was a runner. Now. I couldn't tell you what year. I've got mates that know all this shit, but I don't. My nan was so proud. You got my, you got my, look, Dulcify, blah, blah, blah. Unfortunately, that Melbourne Cup, Dulcify broke down and had to be shot. And my nan was devastated. Oh, don't worry, mate. Don't worry, mate. This woman, when I didn't want to have, I I don't know around the world if other people do this, but you put the, we used to use 50 cent pieces. My nan would keep 50 cent pieces to stick underneath your plum pudding. And I was one of those kids that I couldn't have plum pudding and ice cream or cream. I just, I couldn't combine the two. It just fucking didn't seem right to me. And she never wanted us to put it in her mouth. So she would put it underneath the sauce, like underneath the, the plate. And she would tell me, and she'd say, listen, it's underneath there. Just, just, you don't have to eat it. Just leave it there if you don't want to eat it. But I'm just letting you know what's under there. And the favouritism that I got was outstanding. My other cousins didn't care. 
they they were still loved and treated well. But what I experienced because my mum went back to work and I got to spend a lot of time with my nan, and literally my grandparents raised me in so many ways. But what I got to experience was this unconditional love that sometimes we get in life and sometimes we don't. And I um I, I can't express how special this woman made me feel. How I, I took it for granted that I, I never took her for granted. I just took her took it for granted that that was just what you did. My nan used to have a bottle of GI cordial. Old school. Grew, grew up on sugar. You wouldn't dare feed your kids the sugar, the amount of sugar that I had when I was a kid, but that's that was the norm. And she would always keep a bottle of it and say, Oh, do you want do you want to, you know, I'm right, thanks. Right up until I was an adult, it was still there. Do you want to have a beer? Your pop's having a beer. Do you want to have a beer? Your pop? Oh, no, no, I've got to drive now. Do you want a GI cordial? Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah, all right. That was one of my greatest things in life was that I got to experience that. And when we talk about love, not just in a relationship, we just talk about it in all different ways. This woman was just amazing. Anyway, unfortunately my nan passed away three months before I got married. Um, she died in her sleep. That's just the way the world works. Uh, she had ailments. She was 69 and was very young. You know, I, I see my dad now. My dad's in his 70s and early, I mean early 70s. My mum's just turned 70 and I think... I got shortchanged. But it was a different time. They grew up in different eras and, and, you know, what they experienced in their lifetime in the 50s and 60s was completely different to to how we look at life now. But um, I just really wanted to touch on the importance of um, passing love around. And this woman has... there's, There's been several iconic women in my life that have just really made me who I am today. And I'm so grateful. But it was just a a wonderful time. From having her sit there and listen to me babble on, she didn't break eye contact. She had a smile from ear to ear. And she just looked like, oh, I'm so into what you're talking about. And I can see how happy it makes you. And, um, yeah, just incredible. I... Uh, my parents weren't that warm, I guess. My my parents are a little bit self-involved compared to my grandparents. I guess being a parent now too, it's a different time. You know, when you're a grandparent, you've got a different pace and a different understanding of life and kids and stuff. But, um, yeah, it was really just a really cool experience and one that I'm forever grateful about. And... Um, it's all about love, isn't it? Like it's just a, a wonderful thing. It should never be taken for granted because you never know when you're not going to have it. But I don't tell that story to try to impress anyone other than press upon them that uh, I had a fantastic fucking grandmother or nan and, um, yeah, she was one of a kind.
threw that in because that was what my nan used to sing to me. And uh, from when I was a baby up until I was an adult, not long before I got married, she still reminded me that she used to sing it to me. Obviously the Elvis version, but yeah, that's, uh, that's a little lovely story. Okay, the next one. It's not about me, actually. This one's um, a really unusual one. This is my my dad. And my dad's actually gone into a third relationship. Um, he married my mother. I separated when I was six, seven, seven, yeah. And um, remarried, I think it was about 10 or 11. And then up until he was, oh, up until I was late 30s. I think, uh, and then that marriage fell apart, which was sad because he was quite content. He married a younger woman. She didn't want to have kids, and he fitted in with her lifestyle, and he was he was happy for a long time. As relationships do, they fall apart. Again, this is I'm I'm going to be honest about it, but it's not my story to tell that. Um, but he went through a rough time. And his second, second divorce, or he saw it as a separation, he fought like hell, but it was all too late. He made plenty of mistakes, probably drank too much, and they grew apart where they were. They used to spend the weekends together, and they grew apart. Now, I don't really want to dwell on the sad part of it because in that. Uh, break up. It's good, I guess, fifteen years, maybe. Um, maybe I was younger, but it, it was fifteen. I think there's twelve, twelve years after. In that period of time, he suffered and and spiraled out of control with depression, and alcoholism, uh, and attempted his life on several occasions. Again, I'm not telling this story about. The horrible parts. I want to really emphasise the love part. And I guess what the love part was is that he would just think, it's never going to happen, this is how it is, I'm stuck in this fucking cycle, I'm not changing, I'm not getting out of it. And it was horrible to watch. I was his carer for a while and spent a lot of time in his dark days and it was, he wasn't my father anymore. I'd resign the fact that he just wasn't the guy that I grew up with. He was no longer funny. He was no longer amusing. He was quite dark and negativity. Everything in the fucking world sucked. Everything was wrong. It was horrible. And yeah, it was just, it was just a terrible time. And, and it was dragging I don't have to say it's dragging me into it. I went with his went him to see psychiatrist at one stage and the psychiatrist who I didn't think was particularly that good, but you know. And my dad would wouldn't tell him the truth and say, How many beers you have? Oh, probably three or four. I knew he was drinking eight or nine schooners a day, up to ten schooners. And but he always worked and he and he was, you know, always hard work. Anyway. That's the dark side. Let's break that down. He moves, finally retires and gets out of Sydney. 
and the emphasis of I've been saying to him for a long time, you need to get out, you need to get out, you need to get out. His brother actually moved out of Sydney and lives up the coast. His brother's a gentleman, like him, looks exactly like him and is just a, a nice guy. And he says, you know, why don't you come and live up here? So then now he decides to move up to the mid-north coast or the far north coast, maybe the far north coast, let's call it that. <laughs> anyway, this is where it gets interesting. He's actually, because he's always said, I'll never meet anyone, this, this woman was the love of my life and this is the way it was. And and for a long time they had a had a good relationship, but, you know, relationships grow stale, that's just the way the world operates. He met a friend up there, a lovely woman, I'm just going to call her Susie Q, and they formed a friendship Firstly, first and foremost, and nothing more. It was just that. He got his spark back. He made her laugh. Uh, she could see that he was funny and that he, he was really just off the cuff. He was starting to evolve. It was like he shook the Sydney um, doldrums off and he, you know, he's living on the coast, he's five minutes from the beach. She says, well, you should come with us. We go walking every morning. He's like, oh, I don't know about that. Now, footnote here, I never understand when people retire. Then you get all the time in the world to do whatever you want, but for some reason you still got to go walking at 5 o'clock in the morning. You've still got the whole day. It's not like there's anything more special, but oh, got to go 5 o'clock in the morning. That's what you do. I don't understand it. So if someone can explain the logic to me because it's it's not like you have to get the cows in to get them milked. It's, your days are... You know, you got plenty of hours in it, but anyway. So they began walking and talking and chatting and getting things and, you know, he sort of, my, my dad's a straight shooter and, you know, this is the situation and I need to get out of Sydney and blah, blah, blah. He's been up there now 18 months and in that time he has, and I don't know that it's all about falling in love, but he's falling in love. Now, people will say, oh, it's never going to happen to me. I had my chance in my 20s or 30s or, you know, 40s is your last chance. If you don't get in then, you... my dad's in his early 70s, 73. He just turned 73. This woman, I think, 65. Yeah, I think she's about 65. Um, they're falling in love and because I counsel him and I talk to him about things and, like I do, my son, we're a very open relationship. Um, he was like a schoolboy with butterflies in his belly. And it was one of the nicest things that I could hear about my farmer who for the last 20 years, roughly 20 years, has, well, probably 25, had evolved into uh, uncaring uninterested person and I don't know that he fully knows the ramifications of what that meant. Like my kids don't know, they knew him for a short time and spent time with him when he was married and I was going through a divorce and he, they were happy and then when his marriage fell apart the kids just disappeared off the radar and when they did experience him, they just didn't like him. They just were like, no, we don't want to start C-pop. And I can understand that. Now I'm looking back, watching him in his 70s fall in love again 
and it's such a nice thing. It's such a just there's a friendship, there's open discussions, there's no hang-ups about their past, um, there's, you know, I didn't do this for so many years, I didn't do this and um, I really want to go and travel and they, you know, and just their life is now and, and the relationship I guess has really only sort of taken off in the last eight months but in that period of time I've just listened and watched a man totally turn around from where he was going to just down a road to nowhere, spiralling out of control until a place where he's so content, he's so happy. You know, every morning he wakes up and and they live in a, in a place, like a living estate, which is across the road, he's sort of across the road around the corner from her. She lives in her place or she'll stay the night in his or whatever. But um, they're not locked in to anything other than what they want to be and they're just really enjoying each other's company and it's so it's so nice it's so nice to see and that's another facet of love that I really wanted to tell the story about because sometimes you can you think that you're loving things and you just let things get out of your way and and you get in your own way and you don't you don't recognize and then it's the other person makes a decision and it's all over and you think, fuck, I never saw that. On the other hand, if you don't pay the relationship enough respect that it deserves, then there's a chance that you're only really letting yourself down. And in, in, in that situation, that's pretty much what I, I've, I've watched happened. I don't, I don't remember my dad's first relationship, obviously, because I was too young, but I watched it in his second one. And he let him get away with from him. He had resigned to say, it's all over, no more, not going to happen. No, fuck this. This marriage thing, their girlfriends, they're fucking shit. All the while, it's quite interesting about my dad, he's an avid home and away fan. He pretends he's an alpha male, but he's not. He watches Home and Away. He reads all the glossies and uh, all... TV-related stuff. And then he'll say, oh, you see that girl from uh, Home and Away? Yeah, her old man fucked her off. Obviously, another man had enough of her shit. And what I've listened to and what I've watched and witnessed since he's fallen in love again, all of that conversation, all that context, that's gone. That's out the door. He doesn't talk like that anymore. He doesn't talk about the negativity. He's talking about in the happiness and... He's actually shedding himself away from the negativity of other people that have really fucking annoyed him. He's like, oh, I can't stand these fucking idiots. Like, um, But he's doing it in a polite manner, which is nice. It's nice to see. So that's another facet of love. That's, that's another thing that I wanted to talk about was never say never. There's plenty of people on dating sites. Is I've been on and off them. Well, actually, I don't get off them. I just leave the profile there and, and I think, oh, well, if I get to it, I get to it. I've met some really nice people and I've met people that don't want to continue anything in a dating or – but I'm happy to be friends. It's like, yeah, okay. If you ever need me to, you know, someone to talk to, someone – I've um, I've heard some stories of women that have been devastated 
how they've been hurt, um, how things just didn't work out the way they expected. But what I will tell you from my dad's lesson is that never say never because you just never know when you least expect it. It always comes down to timing. And the sliding doors scenario, if you remember the movie Sliding Doors, Gwyneth Paltrow, they actually shoot two sides to the movie. One when she comes home and catches him in bed with another woman and the other one when she doesn't, when she's oblivious to it all. And um, it's all about timing. Right time, right place. Um, right mental capacity. Are you ready to be and fall in love? Are you still healing? It just takes time. I guess it's, uh, it's always something in there for someone. So I guess rounding out this uh, episode about love is the different forms that love comes in and how you can love other people. And I've got mates that I readily, openly say I love because of, you know, my relationship. It's not a sexual one. It's just, you know, I care about I have other people that I care about in my life that I... um, I would say that I love them. I've got some fantastic mentors that have helped me uh, along the way. And again, I can only speak from my my own experiences. Uh, one of my favourite movies is The Notebook. I think that's a, a genuine love story, um, which, you know, some people will poo-poo it. There's a lot of people that jump on bandwagons, oh, that's a blah, 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 that's a, that's a shit girls movie or stuff like that. But if you actually watch it, and, and i tell you what's really cool about them, the, the director cast his mother as the lady with Alzheimer's in it. And that was his real mum in real life that he directed, like he, um, he directed. And, and it was a fa- fantastic movie. And it showed, it told a story about two people falling in love. Isn't that what life's about? Isn't it for the living, finding out, you know, you don't have to fall in love with one person, you don't have to be in love with one person for the rest of your life, but just actually getting on and loving life. Tell your friends you love them, you know. Tell your kids, if you've got kids. Um, just tell your parents, never let, or your grandparents, never let an opportunity go to just, you know, round it out with a, yeah, you know what, I really do love you. Now, there's a few um, different things that have been going through my mind around this out and put a good track to it. Um, But before I do, I just want to do a shout-out, actually. Um, There was a young guy I saw. Actually, I won't name the the Instagram account. But I saw a young guy, someone's son, eating a capsicum as a hand fruit. And it was so refreshing to see. That's That's my ultimate dream. Let's get on the capsicum bandwagon and it should be a hand fruit. Have you bitten into it? It's delicious. It's fresh. It's refreshing. It's 
oh, it's fantastic. And this young guy was sitting there eating it and his mother had shot the the clip to go, check this kid out, he's eating him. And I'm like, not, not for me but just in general. And I saw it and went, yeah, I'm down with that. So that young guy, get on the bandwagon, man, and eat more capsicums. They should be a ham fruit. Okay. Um, this is going to round this out. This is quite funny. There's a funny story that goes with this. And I'll set this up. This is a song I think I listened to when I went through breakups. Um, and it, I, I loved, I loved this song. I love the album. It came on. And if you listen to the way this guy plays guitar. He, it's like he's making love to his guitar. It sounds amazing. Now, here's a funny story. So this is about a guy. And for the purpose, we're just going to refer to him as Gary. Okay. So he, he was actually a, um, a guitarist in a band, a lead guitarist, uh, an alcoholic. And um, I never knew how fucking good he was. Like he was and, – and, he, and he's passed on this talent to his kids because his kids – he's got a son now who's also a musician and, and he's going down. But this is the the funny part of the story. I was seeing someone for a short period of time and we had a, a tumultuous relationship and both of us were studying and, and it, it just it just got a little bit too – too full on, full on. Anyway, and she's a good person, but she needs to be with someone else. That's basically what it comes down to. Anyway, we were talking about past lives and what we did, and she said she used to be a nanny in the UK. She's from the UK. She's an Essex girl, actually. And um, let's just call her uh, Claire. Let's just say her name's Claire. Okay, that'll do. And she was telling me that she was a. A, um, a nanny and she used to nanny for this guy and yeah, just his name's Gary. That's that's all she said. Oh, Gary. She goes, I didn't know who he was and I was there playing with the kids and a uh, young boy and he said, come on, Dad, come on, you get involved and he got involved and over a period of time they, they formed a, a good friendship and a relationship. He was, you know, the nanny five days a week when he was with mum. Mum and dad had separated and Gary had gone on to live in France and she reaped the bonuses of, uh, he said, well, you know, would you like to come over and be the nanny for the kids on the weekends? And basically he paid her what she was earning through the week um, and flying a business class to France on a Friday night and then back Sunday night. Like, good. But she obviously worked hard. And she loved what she did. She loved working with these kids. So anyway, Gary. And I said, who the fuck is this Gary? Oh, he's just, I don't know, he used to sit by the pool and play guitar. And I said, fucking, what? Yeah, yeah. I said, was, was he any good? Oh, I don't, I don't know. She goes, I don't know. Like, I go, well, where does he make his money now? Oh, people get him to play on his albums. And I go, oh, is he, is he just a session muso, is he? She said, no, I'm not, no. I mean, they must like him because, you know, they get him to do, you know, does tracks on the albums and stuff. And I'm thinking, who the fuck is this guy? Who is she talking about? So anyway, the story goes on and 
I'm like, I, I don't, I'm going, I don't know how he makes money. I don't, I don't quite understand. And she said, um, well, yeah, he just, I don't know, plays music, and I think he produces. He helps people and produces. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. And I go, you don't know anything more about him. And she said, no, 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 just that's it. Oh, okay. Left it at that. And I think at one stage she might have said, oh, he's, um, he was a lead guitarist in a band called Thin Lizzy. And I went, oh, I know them. The boys are back in town, a good Irish rock band. I know, I know. Yeah, okay, I know. That was it. Gary was in that. I don't know anyone that was in Thin Lizzy. I know that song. That's all I know. So anyway, I was talking to a guy, older guy that I know, and I said, oh, yeah, I was telling the story. And she used to be a nanny for this guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Apparently he was a lead guitarist in Thin Lizzy. And he goes, oh, Gary Moore. I went, what? And... Uh, she said, yeah, Gary Moore. I said, Gary Moore as in the blues guitar. She, yeah, that Gary Moore. I went, get fucked. Bullshit. No way. I'm not copping it. The whole time she had been nanny for one of these guys that I just idolised. He brought out this album. I didn't know anything about his past in Thin Lizzy, which now makes sense and obviously I'm now a connoisseur in him. But at the time I was just mesmerised by... And this song, and this song's called "I Still Got the Blues," and it's a good vocal track. But stay and listen for the way that this guy plays the guitar, because I remember breaking up with a girlfriend, I think, post high school, and listening to this, and like, oh man, I'm miserable, and well, we had fun, and. I'm always going to remember this. And now it's a breakup song that I listen to and smile about. All the while I think, Claire, you fucking idiot. You should have known who he was and you should have put two and two together and not make me look like a fucking idiot when I tell this story. But I do love this track and uh, here it is.
Yeah, if I was late night radio host, I'd be like, yeah, and that was the sweet sounds of Gary Moore. But it is. It's a fucking amazing track. He just plays that guitar and is a bluesy sound. Now, some good news. We're not all morbid and you know, not everything's woe and you know, it's falling in love's good. What we've got coming up, the next podcast, I've got a special guest. I can't say too much at this stage because it's not confirmed 100%, but that's good news. And the following one, I have the return of Jess, better known as Good Jess, and the feedback about her coming back is always good. And uh, I'm really keen to talk to her because it's her baby's first Christmas. Her little baby, Stevie, will be one in January. So she's got to a really cool age. If anyone follows on Instagram, check her out. She's a, she's a classic. So, yeah, so um, that's coming up in two weeks and my special guest will be next week. I just wanted to finish with a, uh, a good old gag about relationships. It was a married man who was having an affair with his secretary. Now, love doesn't have boundaries sometimes. It just happens when it happens. Uh, one day their passions overcame and they left the office and they took off to her house. Exhausted from the activities, they fell asleep and they woke about 8pm. As the man threw on his clothes, he told the woman, take your shoes outside and rub them through the grass and dirt. Confused, she nonetheless complied and he slipped on his shoes and drove home. And he walked in the door and his wife said, where have you been? Um, which she replied, darling... I can't lie to you, I've been having an affair with, a sec- with my secretary and I fell asleep in her bed and I didn't want to wake up till 8 o'clock. The wife glanced down at his shoes and said, you liar, you've been playing golf. Sometimes we all have different vices. Till next time, thanks for listening. Live your life like you own it and, uh, yeah, special guest next week.